Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. We're here today to discuss Fulham playing in the FA Cup quarterfinal for the first time in 16 years as we take on Manchester United at Old Trafford for a place at Wembley. To discuss this game, I have Sammy. How are you going, Sam? What up, peeps? I'm going good. I'm going good. And bit bit bewildered because I've just like walked through the door. But no, I'm I'm ready. I'm let's go. Let's get it. Good stuff, Sammy. And Dad, how are you going today? I love the way I always have to follow that, but I'm not going to try. All I can say is it's 29 degrees. I could be freezing. Life could be worse. That's a good follow-up. It's not it's not terrible. I was going to say, I'd, I'd take that most times, uh, more, more often than not. Um, so, yeah, guys, obviously we've come off the back of a couple of disappointing results, um, talking through the loss to Brentford, the loss to Arsenal. Um, <clears throat> obviously, without our talisman in the middle, Jaapolina, who is now back from his suspension, this is the first game we're going to see him back. A couple of little injury concerns as well that we can talk through today. But, um, Dad, I'll go to you first. How exciting is Fulham being in an FA Cup quarterfinal for the first time in, in 13 years, I think it is? Such a long time since we've been at this stage of the competition. Yeah, it's very exciting. I mean, you, you, you hope and pray and wish that you get a dream easy run, but it's... Really, really stickly can't be so. And if you're going to win it um, in the last three or four games, you're going to have to beat some very good sides. So uh, I wish it was at home to, I don't know, Southampton. Grimsby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, yeah, even a non-Premier League side, even better. But I, I, think, I think it's time to get up for it and to put out a great performance. And a, I'd like to see a bit of a turnaround and have a really great game uh, to win this one and turn our fortunes around in the Premier League, actually. Yeah, I agreed. It does feel like a, a not a turning point as such, but the season's been going so well so far, and we're in this little patch now where um, we are struggling a little bit. And it does feel like this game is an opportunity where there's no points at stake as such. So you can, you know, have a bit of a free hit and try and get a win out of this one. Um and and maybe we can bump our season back into gear again. Sam, looking at the quarterfinal lineup, uh, effectively of the other fixtures, um, you know we've got Man City playing Burnley, Brighton playing Grimsby, Sheffield United playing Blackburn, Fulham playing Man United. Um, do you think we? Well, obviously we could have got an easier draw, but do you think if we do win this game, um, there's a high possibility of us getting into a a final? I, I mean assuming we avoid Man City. Yeah, totally. I, I, I don't necessarily see why we wouldn't necessarily be able to do that. Um, yeah, it's the, that's the best part about um, FA Cup. Usually teams just cancel each other out. So then you just le left with a couple of Tom's top six teams. Um, so, yeah, no, this is really promising. I, li I like looking at this. I like looking at this a lot. Yeah, look, I mean, it's not often that you get to this stage in a competition and you only see two of the big teams effectively. I mean, if you take out uh, Man City and Man United from the quarterfinal lineups, Fulham and Brighton are standout favourites. Um, obviously, the two Manchester clubs are, are going to be... Interesting way of looking at it. <laughs> no, no, but, you know, obviously the two Manchester clubs are going to be favourites by, by a long shot. But after that, 
you've got Fulham and Brighton, and then quite a big step down to Burnley, Blackburn, Sheffield United, who are all doing very well in the championship, but they're not Premier League clubs at this stage, and, and they are, you know, that step below Fulham. And then obviously Grimsby, who are even further down the league. Um, it, it does feel like there's an opportunity, and, you know, we've seen upsets where, where a team like Burnley could get a result against Man City, and all of a sudden... You've got a quarter-final lineup if Fulham do win through of Fulham, Burnley, Brighton, and Sheffield United, and mm. and you know it's it's really on the cards at that point. And we've been clamouring for cup runs for such a long time, and it just hasn't been the right time for a cup run. You know, the last seven years have been yo-yo years where we've gone down, up, down, up, down, up, and now we're in a stage where we're looking a little bit more comfortable at least at least this season when we're almost definitely not going to go down. So it is the season to throw everything at a cup run. Um, let's have a quick look at the recent form of these two teams. Obviously, we know about Fulham's form, um, the loss to Brentford and Arsenal recently, where we've actually conceded six goals in the last two games. Um, an interesting stat about the fact that Fulham have conceded 27% of their goals in just three games this season when Jao Polina has not been playing in the side. Dad, do you expect Fulham to be a different beast with Polina back into the team? Or do you think there are wider issues that potentially need to be addressed? Well, it's the big talking point. Um, and as much as I think everyone's kind of uncomfortable being framed as that one-man team, and I don't think I don't think we are a one-man team, but it's very difficult to articulate the presence that that guy has on the field and what he does to people's effort levels, I think. Because when you when you have a man chasing so hard off the ball, going in so hard, I think it, it lifts players. So, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a difficult one to measure, but I, I think he makes a, a big difference, a massive difference. Sammy? Yeah, um, I want to actually reiterate a point that um, I heard Tifo actually talking about us because they covered uh, the Arsenal game, and I actually thought it was actually a really good point because they were talking about how um, at, at this stage of the season for teams like us, we've had a really, really good run and teams are starting to kind of figure us out a little bit because, yeah, there's not a lot of depth. There's always the same amount of like players. Um, and so you play X number of games and then you actually have a pretty good sense of how teams play and I feel like that's kind of like what's happened to us over the past couple of weeks um the one caveat to that is Japalina because you know you can you can't you can't you can't fully tactically break down he's just really good and he's gonna make your life really really hard so no it's invaluable and I'm very very happy to see him back I just wanted to put that out there it, it's I, not even I, a skill good thing. It's it's about the effect that a tough enforcer has both on an opposition and also on the people around him. It's really difficult absolutely. to measure. Yeah, you can't you can't really kind of tactically get around that too much. I think you should just listen to our podcast, Sam, because I'm pretty sure we discussed the almost the exact same point uh, earlier earlier in the week. Some people might not have listened to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the one early in the week. So I'm just reiterating, you know, just of, of course everyone listens to every single That's So Craven episode. Why wouldn't they? Um looking at Man United's form, it's 
an, an interesting read. Um, they played Southampton last week, who we know bottom of the Premier League, and drew nil-nil. Admittedly, they did have a man sent off, but you know we've seen what a team like Man City, for example, can do when they have a man sent off. If you're if you're that good, it doesn't even seem to make a difference. And I, I reckon if Arsenal had had a man sent off on the weekend, they still would have seemed like they had an extra three men on the field like they did. Um, a really yeah. good 4-1 win against Real Betis at home um, in the Europa League. Uh, that crazy um, 7-0 loss to Liverpool. I've put Man City on the Sorry, Man United on the screen here. But 7-0 loss to Liverpool, which, um, yeah, sort of came a little bit out of nowhere considering Liverpool's form this season. A 3-1 win against West Ham in the last round of the FA Cup and the 2-0 win against Newcastle to win the Carabao Cup. Um a lot of very interesting results there from Man United where, um, you know, they, they'd be expected to win that game against Southampton. They'd be expected to put up a decent fight against Liverpool. Um, uh, but they are also still getting results with a 4-1 win at Betis, um, the win in the cup final. We know they can play well in knockout competitions. Man, you have a great record in all knockout competitions. Um, Dad, I'll, I'll chuck to you. Man, you do have a game uh, coming up on Thursday night. We're recording this at the moment on Wednesday. Um, so tomorrow night they're going to be playing against Real Betis in Betis. How much of an impact do you think that's going to have on them? Admittedly, they do have a bit of a buffer with a 4-1 lead. Do you think they're going to be resting a few players knowing that they have that lead, or do you think it's too important for them to get through to the next stage of the Europa League? Oh, who knows? I mean, they've got they've got depth, so they can do it. Um, they've also got an extra day, given this fixture against Fulham is a Sunday. So, um, I, look, I think it. it I, I think they're going to have to put out a reasonably good side um, against Real Betis. So, I think it does have an effect, and um, yeah, that's all I've got to say. Yeah, I mean, Europe is uh, Europe's where the money is. I know it's the Europa League; it's not the Champions League. But at the end of the day, the money that you get from winning competitions like this and progressing in competitions like the Europa League is probably more important than the FA Cup. Um, they're you know they're playing on a Thursday night in Betis. They'll most likely fly out immediately after the game. They won't train on um, on Friday. They might do a little session on Saturday and then play on Sunday. So. Um, there, there are going to be a few tired legs there because they do, they did have that game against Liverpool as well, um, and because because of the nature of the competitions that they play in, they have a much heavier schedule than Fulham. I saw a stat that Rashford had already played fifty games this season, which mm. is just insane. Like yeah, a little bit worrying, I think, when you consider some of the Fulham players this season who are fairly regular starters would have only played 25, 26 games. Um, Rashford's played double that already uh, at this time of the year. And admittedly, that includes international games. But um, Man you have a heavy schedule. And we're starting to see it with, um, you know, a, an injury picked up to Garnacho in, in the Southampton game. Um, they're obviously without Casemiro, who's suspended. Um, so it it's, it's, could be interesting. I mean, it's, it's not a bad time to be coming up against Man United. This, it's just this that point you make. Mm. Sorry, sorry, Sam. The, no, the point you make, and I think it, I think it is a consideration when you have a midweek game. It's a European game, so it's significant, um, but it's away, 
and that's not to be mm. it's not to be discounted because you know there's travel there's a disruption to the schedule it, it's all little things that i i think do matter they do matter yeah I got a really, I got a, I got a really good point on that. Also, as well, I really want to just get this out there because I, I work with like three Man United fans. So if there's one team that I feel like I know a significant amount about, it's literally just me trying to claw Fulham talk into the workday just through talking to them. But yeah, they're a really, really interesting side in terms of like once the game plan isn't necessarily going their way or a couple of things fall apart from Ten Hag's structure, the whole thing just goes out the window. Like you saw it against um, Southampton really recently and you also saw it against Liverpool. Like literally they are so easy to actually... Well, I don't, I, I don't actually think they're easy to dismantle, but once they are dismantled, they, they, they just become this weird wreck. And that puts us in an awesome, awesome place if we can create some disruption they're tired. I th- I think it's it could genuinely be an upset, and this I, I can't think of another time where I could ever say that against us playing against Man U with an informed Marcus Rashford and all the other things. Point of order, Mister Chairman. Point, yeah. Point, point, point of order. That that seven nil win against Liverpool was the arrival of Gakpo, Nunes, and what Salah, who are three brilliant genius players, actually having a ripper day. And if you've got those sort of players on your side, you can't say that Man United gave up or were dismantled. No, they, they didn't. They, they didn't. They didn't give anyone. up. They just they'll dismantle. They just... They'll dismantle anyone. So to in order to dismantle Man United, you got to have those kind of players in your team to rip them apart and go against maybe the run of play or their run of form or whatever. I think. I'm I think not sure Liverpool... how good an argument that is, though, because Nunes no, no, and Gak have think... been there for quite a while now. Yeah, but but when you have brilliant, high quality players in your team. They can do it. They can do it. And I think, I think Fulham realistically is a different sort of a, it's a different kind of an animal. We are a unit that rely on really optimal um, efficiency, if you like. And we've already talked about it to death. You know, Marco Silva extracting incredible things out of above average players. Unfair, unpopular, I don't know. But I think that's the truth of it. And that, and I think, uh, you know, maybe maybe Mitro is a guy who can do mercurial things. Maybe there's one or two other plays. In, but you don't have the kind of superstars that can score hat-tricks on the day. I think at, at the end of the day, this this is not a bad Man United side. So no, of course not. The the point may be that you can break them down and they fall in a heap, but we haven't seen that happen that many times this season. Um, it's very different. A Man United Liverpool derby is very very different to any other game because there's there's such a rivalry there, um, and and we see these things these blowouts happen. Like you know, it's it's crazy the number of times that these teams concede five goals against each other, five-plus goals. When you see Man U play Arsenal, Chelsea play Liverpool, Man City play anyone, like those top six teams, 
um, they, they, for some reason, if, if there's a bad loss, it's a really bad loss, and you see a lot of goals going in. And, and I think you can put that 7-0 down as a bit of an anomaly. I don't think that is an indication of Man U being able to be completely broken and, 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 and beaten quite comfortably if you, if you score one goal against them, that it just falls into a heap. I do think there are opportunities to to beat them, and I think when we played them earlier this year, we were very unlucky not to take all three points, mm. and that is a big positive I think we can take forward um, because because really we we kind of dominated Man U when we played them last time. They beat us on the break a little bit. Um, let's have a look at a, a couple of potential lineups. We'll look at Fulham's first. Um, I've come up with a bit of a mock lineup here based on what I think the lineup should be, and we can sort of go through it, discuss it. I think the back four, I, I reckon we'll see a return of Diop and go to that um, more expected back four and, and Leno in goal. So mm. Leno in goal, uh, Robinson at left back, Ream, Diop in the centre, and Tete on the right. I think this is probably going to be the, the round where we see Rodak drop down to the bench. But I wouldn't be overly surprised to see Rodak in goal for this game. Um, mm. I, I'm kind of hopeful that we see more of a full-strength side from from Marco Silva, but I, I do think there's a possibility for a bit of rotation there still. Um, across the midfield, uh, Polina is a definite to come back in for me, um, and I think we're going to see Harrison Reed retain his spot although I think there's an argument for Lukic to potentially come in there as well and play alongside Polina. Uh Almost certainly we'll see Andreas Pereira start in the number 10 position. I expect we'll see Solomon on the left and Deckard over Reed on the right. Uh, haven't heard any news about Williams' injury at this stage, but I would have thought we'd probably stick with Bobby again anyway. Um, and then Mitro up front. Dad, I'll, I'll throw to you first. Let's talk about the keeping position here. Uh, we've seen Rodak play in every round so far, and Silva's sort of kept the faith with him as the, the cup keeper, if you will. Um, do you think that there's a possibility that Rodak starts, or do you think if we want to take it seriously, we have to play Leno? Uh, option two, Your Honour. There's no way in the wide world you're playing Rodak against Man United away, if you're serious, in progressing. No, nothing against... Uh, Rodak, but Leno is the guy. And if you look at what he brings to this side and how many points he's won us or contributed mm. to the winning of, absolute hands down has to be Leno. If mm. Diop isn't selected, I'm travelling to London <laughs> and requesting talks. Um, and I guess you're assuming um, Willian is still injured? Or are you just saying I, Bobby over Willian? I, I think well, Silver did say that Willian was selected to start, but then effectively pulled out with an injury. So he was going to start the Arsenal game. I think if Willian's got a potential little hamstring strain and a back injury, I wouldn't be surprised if Silver lets him rest and plays Bobby, who links up really well with Tete anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm happy with that. And maybe William sits on the bench and adds something late in the game if you really need him. But I, I think realistically we'll probably see see Bobby start. Um, Sam, I'll, I'll throw to you a question. Do you think um, Lukic or, or Reed? basically, that's the question, um, 
who who partners Polina in the middle? You know, I mean, a man you lacking in Casemiro, it could be worth um, having Sasalukic there just to add a little bit more creativity and like link up with um, Andreas because Andreas is going to have a really he's going to have a long game if he's have if he's having to do all the creativity himself. I mean, mm. honestly, you could even see Tom Kearney genuinely start just for this game still alone, injured. just because. Oh, what? is he still Tom injured? Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. well there you go. Um, <laughs> I could, I could, I could genuinely see Sasa Lukic um, starting over Reed as well. Also, just to. Yeah. To be honest, I'm almost not. I'm not 100 percent sure if I see Bobby starting. Like, I can. I can see. Sorry, who would you put there instead? Weirdly, I- I'm almost thinking maybe Wilson. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to think yeah. how like. No, I'm just trying to. No, forget your biases. I'm just trying to think like how Silver would essentially see this game because we're always wrong when it comes to how Silver actually lines up and actually sees. Hey, I, how I, I he got can it right it. a couple of weeks ago. You did get it right, but the fact that that's an anomaly should say everything. You know, like. I, I'm genuinely trying to think here, like what will um not Wilson, what Silver thinks that he actually needs, and I'm just trying to think, does he want creativity? Because I don't think he's going to need that much brute force. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But may I, I think just to be devil's advocate, I'd like to see Sasalukic maybe start over Reed, just to see what he can do in the full side. Yeah, um, I, Sammy, I, I'd I'll... go further than that. Sorry, yeah. I go further than that and say, uh, I, I'm going to say, Lukic is a bit of an enigma. He's he's promising to be quite a package, doubled up with Polina, and we've never seen it. We've never. He's always had to step in for Polina, mm. and you know nothing against Harrison Reed, but we know what he can do, and he probably needs a rest, honestly. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I like, think, yeah, you go. I, I think, you know, not that this is an unimportant game, but it's not the Premier League. I want to see, I definitely want to see Lukic and Polina and see what they've got to offer this team. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, because, like, I've seen I've seen glimpses of, like, um, Lukic's ball control, and I, I can see that there's creativity there, and I can see that there's some real genuine skill and some good vision. And I just want to see, like, what he would actually be like if he has like the freedom of having Paulinho there to essentially clean up. Yep. I, I, I agree. I, I really like the look of Lukic. Um, admittedly, we haven't seen a lot of him. And when we have seen him, it's been out of position. Uh, I'd really like to see him alongside Paulinho because I, I agree. I think he's a bit more creative than Harrison Reed. Um, he's not going to give you quite as much um, of that sort of hassling that Harrison Reed does. But I think mm. Polina sort of makes up for that. And we, we could see Polina basically winning the ball back and then laying the ball off to Lukic, who drives forward. He looks really good when he's got the ball at his feet. And I, mm. I'd just like to see us at least give it a go. And I think this is a good opportunity to do so. Um, Sammy, I'll, I'll throw you a question that's come in from our um, one of our live viewers, uh, William. He says, would you play Leno for this game and give Rodak a start in the next league game? For the keep for the sake of keeping everyone fresh. Oh, that's a very, very diplomatic question. Um, 
Hmm. Honestly, honestly, Will, um, love your work, always do. I, I'm, I don't really like starting Rodak. <laughs> he just fills me with too much stress. I don't want to see Rodak in the Premier League, especially in these next couple of games that we've got coming up, just purely because um, I think the games are, they are so winnable for us, but they're equally as losable. I, I feel like they are our games to lose. Um, playing like those relegation teams and I don't want to be stressed going into those games so I'm sorry Leno you're a big boy you're like yeah the toughest software engineer I've ever seen so I'm, I'm sure I'm sure he can I'm sure he can handle it but bless you William for playing um, a great politician there I, I, I'd yeah. go on dead uh, is, there, is there a side that can actually afford and is and is therefore invested in two world class keepers who they rotate. I, there's not a side in my head that does that. Not and not rotation. I mean, to. you look at look at Chelsea. They've got Kepa and Mendy, who are both world class keepers. Mm. Um, mm. Nottingham Forest have Dean Henderson but, and Kevin Navas. They're both class keepers. Chelsea, Chelsea are profligate. They they just sure, waste sure. money. Mm. And I, I mean, know, most so most it, it, most teams have a good keeper behind him. Maybe not world class, but um, you know, I'd say we have a world class keeper in Leno. Um, it's it's tough to get anyone near that level to sit behind and not play. That's mm. why yeah. um, teams like Chelsea picked up Mark Schwartzer at thirty nine because you want someone who you know who can do it, and you almost need to pick up like a you know, mm. a Pickford in four years' time when he's in his late 30s and have him sitting on the bench as your backup keeper because mm. you know he can do it. And he's not going to be too pissed off at not starting every week. So it's it's tough. Mm. I, I think William's question, um, I think you do play Leno this game, but I don't think you have to give that back to Rodak unless, yeah. there's, been, yeah. there, unless there's a promise that's been made by Silva to Rodak saying you get to play every game in this competition. Uh, I think unless that's been said, Leno starts every game from here on out. And but Rodak I think really, there's no well, way. There's yeah, no but, way Silver's making that deal with his second well, keeper. That's, no that's how you keep second keepers, though, and how you get a half-decent backup keeper, by making promises like that. You... Because... Nah, not I'm all for, I'm all for, I'm all not, for like integrity. It's not how you win an FA Cup. Yeah, of like course, I'm all for but, integrity and fairness, but at the same time, it's like you want you want to play to win, and you have to. Put, but you, you know, also make those promises, not expecting to win an FA Cup. That's the thing. You expect that that will give Rodak what? a guarantee of maybe five or six like games that. for a season. Well, pretty much. You go. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to the. You'll be able to play in the third, fourth, and fifth round of the FA Cup, and the third, fourth, and fifth round of the Carabao Cup, and you get your six games for the year, and we're pretty happy with that. But all of a sudden. We're getting to crunch time now where you can win the FA Cup, potentially. And so sometimes those promises you might have made um, do have to be thrown out the window, and I think this could be one of those times. Mm. Um, Absolutely. Moving on to the Man U lineup, because I think we're pretty comfortable with um, Fulham lining up in, in a, a similar sort of fashion. There might be some rotation on top of this, but um, let's have a look at Man United now. As we did mention before... Um, you don't happy with the Man United lineup, Sammy. Um, yeah. As we did mention before, Casemiro is missing for this game. That is a big loss for um, for Man United. They 
were um, well, boy. Casemiro has been constantly touted as the signing of the season, um, saying he's changed the way Man United play every week, saying you know he's the key to everything that they do. The fact that he'll be missing for this one is quite a big loss for Man United, and I think that that's a, a big gain for Fulham. Um, the other one who's out is Garnacho. Now, obviously, he's not been a starter that much with Rashford and Anthony both being in good form, but we do know what he can do. He obviously scored that goal against Fulham, the last goal before the World Cup break. So I've put together a rough lineup based on how Man United went out uh, in the game against Southampton last week. Um, so we've got De Gea in goal, a back four of Wambasaka, Varane, Martinez and Luke Shaw. I expect that will all be the same unless there's a bit of rotation. Mm. Maybe De Gea gets a rest and maybe uh, Martinez gets a rest as well and Luke Shaw as well because they're a little bit older. Um, Martinez isn't that old, but they've, they're playing most of the games at the moment. Oh, please start um, Harry Maguire. Please start Harry Maguire. It, it's very possible we'll see Harry Maguire come in. He's obviously mm. on the bench. and You know, Man U have been very good at bringing youth through into their starting lineup, and they do it in the cup often as well. So, wouldn't be overly surprised to see some youth come in. Um, in defensive midfield, it's probably a, a choice between Fred or McTominay to replace Casemiro. Um, when Casemiro went off after his red card, uh, McTominay came on and played in that role. So, I, I expect we'll probably see that happen again. Um, in midfield, I've gone with Fred and Fernandez. Fernandez is obviously a top class player. Fully mm. expect um, him to play in this game, even though he would have played uh, in Europe as well. But I think he's too important to drop for them. And um, it's between Fred or maybe Jaden Sancho in that position there in midfield. Um, Sancho did start there, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Manny maybe go a little bit more defensively with Casemiro missing and bring in Fred to play in the centre. Uh, up front, the front three, uh, expect it to be the same with Anthony on the right, Rashford on the left, and Weghorst up front. Um, I'll bring up a comment from Steve here, who's also following along on our live. Um, we, we have talked about a little bit the fact that there's a game on Thursday that, man, you have. Um, Steve says, Real Betis could give them a hard game tomorrow night, currently fifth in La Liga. Steve obviously knows being a, a, a man living over in Spain as well. Um, we could expect, you know, that it's very possible when you're 4-1 down and it's a knockout game, Real Betis are going to throw absolutely everything at Man United. And we could see a few more injuries and a few battered bodies. And, and maybe we do see a little bit more rotation from this Man United side. Um, Sammy, I'll throw to you, seeing as you've said you've got a few Man United friends at work. Um, do you expect to see a similar sort of lineup to this or, or are you expecting Man U to maybe rotate a little bit more? Shout out Sears, shout out Dr. Anthony. Um, yeah, no, I re- yeah, I know. Um, uh, Rob, if you're listening as well. Uh, also, yeah, I, yeah, I'm just trying to think here. Like, obviously, FA Cup's very important to them. So I'm almost thinking because they're like, is it four? Is it four one up currently on aggregate? Yeah. yeah so. With that, with that in mind, are they even potentially going to put out a lesser squad against um, Real and then have a bit more of a beef squad against us? Just because, in theory, this game's more important because, like, there's no second leg. Um, yeah, 
Well, as, I, as we mentioned, it's it's a good point you make. As we mentioned before, you know, Rashford has played 50 games so far mm. um, this season, which is is just outrageous. Yeah. Um, and, and so there's there's the potential that in a game like this where you fall one up against Betis, um, you don't play Rashford in Europe or in the FA Cup and actually give him a proper decent break. Mm. Uh, we do have an international break coming up as well, so that's another thing to consider. A lot of these guys are going to be going away on international duty on top of this as well. Um, it's it's a it's a bit of a packed period for some of these players, and maybe we do see Man United make a few more changes to try and give them a rest because they are pushing for those champion le- Champions League spots, and they do need to make sure that they do maintain some really good form before the end of the season because there's a bit of a chasing pack behind them now. Yeah, I do think as well they are pri- they seem to really be prioritizing the league above everything mm. else. Obviously Europe's always going to be really important to them. But like I mean literally just for like their bottom end and just their marketing in general, like getting into Champions League is just ridiculously huge for them. So I can't see them trying to do many things to really disrupt that. But again, it's just it's just it's just hard to it's just hard to tell just because with a squad like this you can do so much rotation you can like you can, you can literally start like a 19 year old um in Anthony's position and if you have like a relatively beef squad it's not going to make too much of a difference like mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah it's it's a tough one it's it's yeah you just can't really apply the same rules that to our squad to theirs which is which is annoying and doesn't necessarily make feel like good podcast chat but it is it is true it is true I think, honestly, you know, as important as Europe is, and there's no doubt about it, when you get this close and you see they wouldn't, I mean, they would have some respect for Fulham, but they would never be thinking of Fulham in the same terms of Man City. So they, no. I think they'd expect to be able to brush Fulham aside at home. I really do. And so um, then they'd be looking at, they they could have a, pretty easy run here to the final and so it is a matter of actually trying to work out what the odds are of getting through to um, a final at Wembley where you can get some silverware <laughs> there's no way they're going to take not take this seriously so they, they'll they'll be wanting to win this um, so I think we should expect a fairly full strength side from them I, I, I do, yeah, yeah, no, Jack, you go. No, you, you go, Sammy, go. Uh, I was just going to make a almost a colour commentary just point because I, I just think that this is, has the potential to be a really good game. Like Steve has literally just said it in the comments, but there are some really tasty matchups that can potentially happen here. Like there's some, this is potential to be, if if all goes well and stars line, this is potential to be some brilliant, brilliant football. Oh, that's... Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I fully, fully agree. Um, I, I think, you know, uh, Sam, you did mention that they, man, you have been taking the league a little bit more seriously this season. I, I think that's true as well. And I, I'm just having a quick look at the league table here, and you know, they're, they're only two points ahead of um, of Spurs at the moment, who sit fourth. They've got a big game coming up. Their next league game is against Newcastle. Newcastle have to play Forest before that expecting Newcastle will win. They do have a game in hand. Um, if Newcastle beat Man United in that game and Tottenham win as well, Man United dropped down to fifth and mm. um, could easily have you know Liverpool breathing down their necks, even Brighton as well with the games they've got in hand. Um, 
Man U definitely aren't guaranteed a Champions League spot at this moment. And I think that would be sitting in the back of the mind. The the only consideration... Yeah, yeah, of course. The only consideration is is that their next Premier League game is against Newcastle, and that's on the 2nd of April. So that's still 18 days from now. Um, it, it is because of the international break. So they do have a bit of time off. But again, like I said, all these guys are going to go away and play in the international break. Um, so there's a lot going on for Man United at the moment. They're juggling. It's, it's the problem with being in so many competitions. You're constantly juggling and trying to work out what you do and what you prioritise. I'll be really interested to see how how they actually go with this one and, and what they do because, um, like you said, they, they easily have the ability to pull someone from their under-21s who's been performing really well and chuck them up front and see what happens. Um, I, I'm just interested to see quite how seriously they take the FA Cup and if they're going to put out what we assume to be a, a, f- a full-strength side, let's say, or if they do go with a bit of rotation because they expect to brush us aside and maybe that sort of opens up an opportunity for us. Um, I, again, like I said before, you know, we've got the the ability here um, to potentially come through this game if we win it to have a, a, a kind semi-final draw, considering even if you had to come up against Man City in a semi-final, you'd probably still take that and say, you know, we made it this far, we come up against a really good side. But there's also the potential to play a Blackburn, Sheffield United, Grimsby or Brighton in a semi-final of an FA Cup. It, it really does feel like this is an opportunity for us and we get through this game, there's there's a high possibility that um, there, there could be some silverware in our season, which is, you know, just a great feeling to have and a great way to cap off what has been a really exciting season and the best season for Fulham in a very, very long time. Um, let's move on and have a look at my top tip for this week. <clears throat> so... I've gone with a multi, as I always do, uh, just to try and find a bit of value there. Um, it's an interesting one here. It's paying $40, so effectively 40 to 1, meaning if you put on a $25 bet, you would win back $1,000. Um, I've gone for Andreas Pereira to score at any point in the game. I think against his old club, I wouldn't be overly surprised if he did nab a goal. He's looked very close a couple of times. There's that a couple of chances that he's had where he's had good shots from distance that are well saved. Um, he gets himself into some good positions. Uh, he's been really looking really dangerous from dead balls as well. We obviously saw him hit the bar uh, in that game that Solomon managed to nod in afterwards. So I think against his old side, it, it feels like this could be a bit of a writing on the wall kind of moment and um, seeing Pereira put a goal in against Man United could be quite interesting. Um, now these two, uh, additional parts of the same game multi are, uh, for the, the 90 minutes. Now these games don't go to a replay. Now we're at the quarterfinal stage, they go to extra time and penalties. I'm going with a draw at the end of 90 minutes and for there to be under two and a half goals. So effectively a one all draw at the end of 90 minutes. Um, if we see that happen, um, then yeah, forty to one, twenty five dollars wins you a thousand. Uh, comments, thoughts, go. That would be awful. I would hate. I would hate to go into extra time. I would hate that so much. Is that mainly because the game kicked off at three thirty for you? That is. That is. That is a contributing factor. <laughs> but just. Just in general, like I. 
I, I, I think we have, I think, I think we can win. Like I can, I can go out on the record and say, I think we can win. Um, but oh, one all or even push to penalties. Uh, I, I, I just don't, I just don't think we have the depth. Yeah. Dad, your thoughts? I like, I like the narrative of uh, Pereira wanting to prove himself against his old club mm. at Old Trafford. Mm. Um, can we hold this to a one-all draw? Well, if Southampton can can keep, yeah, if Southampton can keep uh, Man United out, why can't we? Um, so we need a red card, essentially, is what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Well, uh, I'd, interestingly, I'd a one a one-all draw is one of the. Um, I'm just looking at the odds on the screen now. One-all draw is effectively the second favorite potential result for this game. They're looking at a, a Man United 1-0, 2-0 or 2-1 win are the, are the favourite results. Um, and next after that is a one-all draw at the end of 90 minutes. So I don't think it's out of the question for, for a result like that to happen. Uh, a Fulham 1-0 win, for example, is paying $20, so 20 to 1. Um, wow. I, I think a, a draw um, after 90 minutes, knowing that there's extra time and penalties, I think when you do know that that is a possibility, when if you were one all, let's say, with 75, 80 minutes gone, you do sometimes almost see teams play for extra time, knowing that you've got a chance to get to penalties. And then when you get to penalties, it's it really feels like 50-50. Any team could win it. It's down to a keeper, and you, you never know what could happen at penalties. So I, I, I see Fulham nicking a goal through Pereira, I see us conceding because I think Man United are just kind of that good. Um, but I don't see it being a super high-scoring game. I think it's going to be quite attritional, as we saw in the last time we played Man United. I think there's going to be, um, <clears throat> yeah, a lot of hard challenges and a lot of um, physicality in this game. Mm, any any other yeah, comments I... on, on that? Do you think that, well, <laughs> firstly, do you yeah, think those are, those are good odds? Hmm? Yeah, not, not bad, but please can we not go to penalties? Yeah, I just like I I mean for like the narrative it would be incredible, but like for my arteries, I just I just I just don't think I can I just don't think I can hack that, you know? No, fair enough. Um another cheeky bet there as well. Manor Solomon still playing six dollars to score at any time in the game. Um I I think he's gonna give uh Wan Basaka some real issues down the right. On, my, my 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 bet my bet and I've been pretty I've been pretty good with my my bets of like who's gonna score I I I reckon uh, I'd love to see the statistics on this I reckon Harry Wilson because I reckon he's <laughs> gonna come on be incredibly unassuming and then just finally finally have his moment and man you will just be perplexed and confused. And he will be relatively unremarkable for the rest of the well, game. And it just matters. It, One moment. Put it this yep. way. Harry, Harry Wilson is paying $5.80, which is the same as Solomon and Willian. That's and, mental. Yeah. That's and mental. apparently more likely than Pereira or Decodover Reed scoring. Oh, I'm not having um, that. Not having that. So uh, this is, again, why we do the segment, to pick out these little things because, you know, the, the Man United anytime goal scorer is much more well-researched, it seems, at least, where you've got Rashford as the outright favourite, Martial behind him, Weghorst, um, Anthony, Fernandez, all, all paying good money. And um, uh, 
you know, you, you don't have the anomalies floating around quite the same as you do with, with Fulham. Even Japolinia paying $14, considering some of the goals we've seen him score this season, wouldn't be out of the question from, from a corner to see Polinia head one in or another 40-yard bomb from Polinia. Like, you know, there, there's there's a lot of value floating around for, for Fulham bets this year, and I think um, it's, it's quite an interesting one, and I, I'd be... Really interested to see other people's thoughts on these as well and if there were other multi-bets that you could piece together and um, try and find a little bit of value because I don't think Fulham are being fairly judged in the market at the moment and um, that's where the value comes from. Um, gamble responsibly. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, anyway, so let's move on to our final segment of the podcast. Um, Sammy... Your thing. Uh, you've asked today thing. to be put for our people on the live stream. You've asked for a builder's hat. Yes, I have. Walk no, me a through safety your hat. quiz for the day. A, a safety, safety hat. Okay. So, um, again, it's 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 the season for a lot of things. Um, uh, but one thing that's also on the horizon that nicely links back to Tony Khan so, again, this is a scenario where Tony Khan, the megalomaniac that he is, is essentially just trying to compete in every capacity with his competitors. So, in this scenario, um, Tony Khan is competing with WrestleMania itself, and he is booking specifically with um, Fulham players to actually take the positions that you would otherwise see wrestlers do. Now... In this scenario, you have to book the winner of these inaugural championship matches. Uh, and if you can as well, I would love to hear some booking ideas. I'd love to, because it's one thing to just decide who you want to win, but it's another thing how you would like to see it win. And that's what the art form is about. So with that in mind, um, the Cruiserweight Championship, Solomon versus Reed. Who do you pick? Uh, Harrison Reed, I think, has a bit more bite about him. I'm a, I'm a little bit worried that you actually put thought into this one, Sam. This feels like I, one that you came up with last minute. You told me you'd actually planned this one. No, I, I came up with this one last minute, but yeah, it just kept on running out of my head. It's like I just kept on seeing it. I just kept on seeing it. Yeah, Harrison Reed for me, I think he's a he's a bit more of a fighter than Solomon. Although I do think. Solomon, I, I wouldn't like to get in a fight with either of them, to be perfectly honest. Oh, see, I, I see Solomon as uh, the lovely I think so, yeah. I think Solomon could have like a Rey Mysterio vibe about him. Yeah, I see that. A bit of Krav Maga, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> this, okay, this, okay, this next one, this next one, this is the thing that really sparked it going. So the tag team championships, um, BDR and Tete, or the Americans, Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson. Who you who you booking to win? Mm, oh. I'm going BDR and Tete. I, I Tete really? takes a hit. Tete takes a hit like no one else I've ever seen. He constantly really? gets boots in the ribs, gets studs up challenges on him. He's got more red cards against him this season than any other player. Um, it's outrageous. I, I think he's got a lot of uh, a, a lot of heart, and I, I back him. And I think. Bobby just looks like he'd be able to slip in and out of people and, and avoid getting touched up at all. 
Oh, uh, see, I, I, rec I reckon see, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Dad, you go. You go. I, I, I think uh, um, I can see Reem as a – I can actually see Reem as a wrestler, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, don't know I don't know why. With the ponytail? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think he's got he's got the theatre about him. And I yeah. think he could pull that off. I think I think Anthony Robinson would be really awkward as a as a wrestler. I, I can't see it, so I'm a bit confused. It's literally just it's literally just because I just see them as like a duo, and I just see um, BDR and Tete as like a duo. I picture that being like a really hard hard fought battle, and then like you think that Tete and BDR are gonna win because they dominate the whole match, and then like Green uses trickery and brains, and then he just sneaks something. I don't know how he does it though. That's 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 for other bookers. Anyway, the Intercontinental Championship, <laughs> William. Or Pereira, the inaugural one. Should be the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Championship, surely. Honestly, though, yeah. Uh, I think I think Willian Willian's trickier than Pereira. I think Willian, he's he. I think he's tricky. I think Willian as well. I'm going with Pereira. Pereira is an angry man. <laughs> really angry sometimes, and I, I'd be a little bit scared. I reckon he's got some rage behind those. Behind the bleached hair and those lovely piercing eyes, I I, I rate and the, co I, and the combed Pereira. up eyebrows. Yeah, I, I rate Pereira to to be a little, maybe a bit dirty as well, some brass yeah. knuckles somewhere. Yeah, no, I see um, that. I see that. Yeah, I'm yeah. going for it. Speaking of rage, the world heavyweight championship, Mitrovic or Palina. Now that's 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 a good matchup. That is a good fight. Um, uh, I think I think Mitro through. Pure brute force. He's he's a, he's a strong guy. So yeah, I see, I actually I actually, I actually see Mitrovic like I know it's inaugural, but I actually see Mitrovic coming in <laughs> as champion, and then like uh like Palina just dethroning him after just like a blood bath, like they're just pissing blood from like the face, and like it's 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 a ring of claret, you know. Uh, I I reckon Mitro. He's he's an angry man as well. There's a few angry men in our team, yeah. and I, I'm pretty sure I've seen in a few interviews a, a few people saying, you know, you just don't don't mess with Mitro. He's in the gym. He's angry at everyone. He's shouting all the time. And the guy, I think, pretty sure all the Fulham guys just secretly love it because it's like that person who you can just poke with a stick a little bit, and you know he'll just <laughs> go for you. And it's quite enjoyable when you have someone like that around you. <laughs> Speaking of poke with the stick, this this one is my favorite. So this one, it's the only non-championship <laughs> match, but it's a grudge match. It's a street fight between Leno and Rodak. <laughs> so now, okay, so okay, what? so what? We, for the for the quarterfinals so, jersey. So 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 we okay. So like I I Hard know that rules. Leno's I know that Leno is probably just going to beat beat the hell out of him, but. I want I want you to book this match. Like I want you to tell me one how he beats him, or if Rodak just pulls off a miracle and just like like finds a steel pole out of nowhere or something like that. <laughs> I, I reckon I reckon Rodak has more to lose here, and so I think it is no holds barred street fight, weapons included. It's all Rodak for me. I think <laughs> he just Rodak. goes. Goes dirty, he's low blows, he's all over the shop, trying to win that position back because 
you're not going to do it with your football at this stage. No offense. Uh, you've got to do it with a oh, yeah, with a brass pipe or a, or a steel chair. I cannot <laughs> see a world. I cannot see a world where Rodak is able to beat up Bert Leno. Like Bert Leno, literally, just feels like the Blastoise to his Squirtle. Like he just feels like he could eat him. Do you know? Do you know what the funniest thing about all of this is? That actually, the the live look at the chat. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the guys following it live have come have come alive. Come what, alive what did William say? Like Rodak with the che- cheeky near rake and jerk hole. Oh, that's great. That's great. Like and the tap on the oh tapping out. Oh, Leno tapping. I can't see Leno tapping out. I'm not having that. Yeah, I have to agree. I don't think Leno's going to tap out. But uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of Rodak. I think he's going dirty there, and he's doing everything he can to get a win because uh, he's got nothing to lose. He's a man with nothing to lose. <laughs> oh well. What 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 a show that will be, and that's that's the segment. I'm interested why he went for the hard hat for that one, but we'll we'll work on that for next week for Sam's safety. next thing. Because safety, because <laughs> safety. Because if you're okay, gonna if you're sure. gonna re- if you're gonna wrestle, you need to be safe, you know. And oh, also, I, I just knew that a if I picked a mask hat. or a, put you in a cane mask, Sammy, it could have been perfect. Yeah, um, but I knew that if I if I knew that I did that, that you would just get it. And I just wanted to see the shock and horror of like the switch of you just being like, uh, "Why did you pick a hard hat for that?" As as always, Sam's thing throws looks looks terrible at first, and somehow manages to come through and uh, and save the day. Um, but look, guys, that's been a, a really good chat. I think about this game. It's it's an important game for Fulham. It's the first time we've had a quarterfinal in many, many years. It's a potential to go to the semifinals for the first time in over 20 years. Um, and, you know, I, I think it would be uh, really well-deserved for the season that Fulham have had so far to see us go to Wembley and potentially play for some, some silverware. Our first silverware, kind of ever, if you take out... Um, you know, lower leagues and the Intertoto Cup, which we won. Um, I, I think this has the potential to be a really, really exciting game, and I'm really looking forward to this one. Bit of a rough time for us over here in Australia, 12.30 a.m. kickoff on a Sunday night. Monday morning at work is going to be pretty rough. And obviously for you, Sammy, over on the East Coast as well, a 3.30 start, that might be a first thing in the morning watch for you, I think. Um, but look, I, I really look forward to catching up with everyone again and uh, talking through this game because I think there's the potential for a really good Fulham result here now that we've got Polina back into the side and you know a few players knowing that they do need to put on some good performances. So I'm, I'm hopeful of a good result for Fulham. Um, again, a big thank you to everyone who's been following us on social media, um, really um, enjoying seeing us, us growing on Twitter especially. And uh, those who join along for the live feed, especially Stephen William, who've joined today and um, contributed hugely to the live feed. It's really enjoyable when we get to interact with the people who follow us. Um, I'll give a quick shout out as well. Um, this is a little bit selfish, but not really, um, to the FFC and Me podcast that's been released on YouTube and Spotify. Um, the episode with uh, myself talking to Ash. Uh, came out about 45 minutes ago. Uh, so this Wednesday morning, first thing. Um, so please do support Ash. He's been on our podcast before and uh, helps us out a lot as well offline. Uh, get around his podcast. Make sure you follow it on Twitter and make sure you follow That So Craven on Twitter. We'll try and share as much information about 
other podcasts and about um, you know Fulham news as we can during the week. Um, so yeah, make sure you do like on all social media, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts, and uh, keep supporting the That's So Craven team. So, Dad, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. Looking forward to maybe, I don't know if we'll be able to watch this game on Sunday together, seeing as it's so late, but we'll see. Yep, uh, it's a pleasure. Good chat, uh, good fun. And um, I'm a little bit concerned about how much thought you actually put into the classes of each one of those matchups, Sam. Really, really concerned about that. Do you know what? It was just pure inspiration. Genuinely, I, I, you taught me a long time ago that um, no person is a genius because the Greeks said that you have genius in moments. And in that moment, I had genius. <laughs> I reckon Dad might have put it a little bit more succinctly than that, but good, good job, Sammy. And Sammy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to no talking notes. this one through with both you. No notes. <laughs> Let's take notes offline, I think, this time. But look, again, thank you to everyone who's been joining in, and uh, we look forward to talking to you very soon when we review this game. But until then, come on, you whites. <laughs>